it's coming up this coming weekend, and uh, it's been advertised for a while now, but there's going to be a short meeting here in the sanctuary, probably right down here somewhere, um, following this morning's service for those who are attending, all right? So make sure, if you are attending next week for the ladies' retreat, come to this meeting. You don't want to miss it, all right? It's going to be great. They're going to have cake and ice cream, and all, right? <laughs> Got to find, find a way to get them to stay, you know? <laughs> but y'all come, stay for the meeting and everything. And uh, you'll get all the info that you need. And be praying as well for our ladies, too, as they go out uh, next week. Uh, pray that the Lord would give them safety. Um, pray for wherever they're going and bless <clears throat> those people's hearts for hosting them and all that stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But, but pray that God would, uh, would help our ladies uh, just to come together and to be refreshed in the Lord and in His Word and uh, to take some time uh, in, in doing so. But um, a couple other things. October the 20th, which October is literally right around the corner, uh, we're going to be having a day where we, we have a food pantry here at the church. The food gets donated to us every year for us to be able to donate and give out. But um, ever since COVID happened, there haven't been a lot of people who have come by for it. So we've got some stuff that's getting real close to date. We've got to get rid of it or else we can't use it. So what we're doing is we're putting together bags of food, tracks, and all that stuff. And on October the 20th from 10 to 12, we're going to have a day where folks can come by here and just drive on through. We have a bag of food for them to be able to pray for them and minister to them as best as we can. And so be praying for that, and if you can help out any way, um, let me know, let Sharon know, let somebody know, and, uh, but uh, we'll be a part of that and looking forward to that. Be praying for it as well. And then, of course, as well, on your calendar, hope you got it, uh, start getting your chili recipe. They're starting to run those sales in Food Line, Food City, and stuff. I noticed that this week, so it's coming along chili season, all right? But um, we're having our fabulous family fall fling ding and chili cook-off. We'll have fun, 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 we're done, 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 and all that fabulous stuff, all right? But it'll be a good time. We're going to have games and things and prizes for the kids, a good time of eating chili and whatever else you bring and desserts and stuff, but just a great time of fellowship. So uh, be praying for it and uh, looking forward to it as well. But I, I want to thank you for each uh, being here. I want to give you also an update um, for this evening um, as well. But many of you know and others don't know, but Janice Midkiff, she's been battling COVID for uh, about three weeks now in, in the hospital in Mount Airy. Um, yesterday they had to put her on a ventilator. Um, they don't have a timetable for anything, um, so what's, what things are looking like is yesterday afternoon, they, or evening rather, they, they put her on her stomach so that way they can try to get some stuff loosened up, and they're trying to help her as best as they can, but her body just needs rest, and her body ultimately needs a touch from the Lord that only God can do. And so tonight, in, in lieu of our evening service, what we're going to do is I'm going to take whoever wants to, in church vans, even if it means we take all three, and we're going to go down to Mount Airy to the hospital, and we're gonna, we can't go in. We're going to hang out outside the hospital on the sidewalk and, and to pray specifically for Janice, to pray for healing and believing that God can and will. We're going to pray for the family and to pray as well for all those doctors and nurses and everyone else that's working in the hospital um, tirelessly and uh, underappreciated and I'd probably say even underpaid in some, some cases as well too, uh, tirelessly for, for these people who are, who are struggling. Um, however, if you don't want to make that trip with us, we understand we've got a place for you here too. Um, Stephen's going to have uh, the sanctuary open at 6.30 for those who want to pray here. Those who want to go with me to Mount Airy in the vans, all right? We're going to meet at 5.45 a little bit earlier, make sure we got a little bit of time and to get everybody loaded up, and then we'll head down there and spend some time out there to pray and uh, to read, maybe even sing a, a song or two. She might not be able to hear us, but other folks can, and it might just do her heart some, some good, all right? So we're going to pray. And, uh, but if you can come to either one, we invite you to sincerely to come and, and to pray and ask for God's intervention. But this morning, I'm going to go ahead and pray. 
to open up our service. And we're going to pray specifically for Miss Janice as well this morning and for Richard. We do thank God, though, that Richard is home. Richard's doing very well and is just trying to stay positive right now. So just uh, pray for them. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer at, at this time. But our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for another day of life. Lord, thank you for each face that we've got here today, each home that's represented, every heart that's here. God, I know that this is a room full of people that you immensely care about. God, help us to not forget that. Lord, you love us. You died for us. You rose again to offer us eternal life. And Lord, today, if there's one who needs to, to turn from their sin and to trust you and to be born again, to be saved today, I pray that they would do so. Lord, as a church, God, I pray that you would draw us closer together and closer to you. Give us unity. We do pray especially for spiritual protection during these dark and difficult days. We lift up our dear sister Janice to you, God. You certainly saw this even long before the world uh, was created. God, we do pray, first of all, uh, for your will to be done. But we do pray, ultimately, God, that you would give swift and quick and, and full healing to Janice. Lord, that you would rid her body of all infection that is there. God, help us to not just pray about it, but to believe that you can. And Lord, we do know and we trust in you, though, that for those of us who are in Christ, that whether you allow us to live and to take another breath or whether you call us home to be with you, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But God, we do pray for healing. We pray that you'd be with the doctors, the nurses. We pray, God, for Richard and the family. God, that you would give them peace and comfort and a grace that just absolutely overwhelms them, Lord. We thank you for the healing that you've done in many other hearts and homes. And Lord, I want to thank you in advance today for what you're going to do in this place, Lord. Help us to come expecting you to do great things and to have hearts that are prepared for your word. Lord, I pray that you would guide this service, the Lord, that it would be all about you. Lord, that you would uh, get the glory out of all things. And Lord, that our hearts would be pure and in its proper place. Lord, as we gather to sing songs that we would sing unto you, we would have our hearts prepared for your word. And Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would accomplish what you set forth. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time and we give it over to you now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, please stand. Turn to hymn number 693, if you prefer it, and it'll be on the screen too. A shelter in the time of storm. We all go through storms in our life, and uh, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you know where your shelter is, and it's in him. He is our rock. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalmist said in 62, 7.
continue our praise in song and music to the tune of A New Name in Glory, hymn number 521. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Luke 10:20. A new name in glory. me singing by his grace he hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God the psalmist said in 40 verse 3 he hath put a new song in my mouth that means in your mouth too not just mine all right he keeps me singing hymn number 746 
care of everyone around you that you can see, maybe some far away, make them feel welcome, and because we're all glad to be in God's house, amen. You may be seated, and we have some special music now by one of my favorites, Mr. Tony. What a blessing he is. Mr. Tony, you come on, sing, sing for God's honor and glory. You need a mic. <coughs>
pray with me and pray to our God and Savior. Let's pray and remember that, that our church family would be in unity. Ask God to unite our hearts together and bind the devil so he wouldn't come against all the good God has for this church and our community and one another, our individual lives. And remember Miss Janice, and we've been praying for her two or three times going tonight. Some here, some down there to pray for her. And I, I feel like this is a critical time in her, her health and life. So remember her too. So let's pray and lift up our petitions to the one who can answer, our God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please, as we bow. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that we can assemble together in your house, Lord, and, and Lord, sing praises, Lord, for your honor and your glory, to preach your word, the truth, Lord, uh, to bring honor and glory to you, that others, some might be saved, some might be encouraged, some might be convicted but most of all, that you'd be glorified through the singing, the music, Lord, and the preaching. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'd unite our hearts together here today and always, for that matter. And, uh, Lord, help us to be in one mind, in one accord, and be together in Christ for your, Lord, for your great commission, for your goal, your commandment for our lives is to reach a lost and dying world and preach the gospel. Help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to follow our pastor as he follows you, Lord, and uh, so that souls might be saved, and Lord, that your name be lifted up. Bless your holy name, Lord. And Lord, uh, Lord, fill our hearts with your love and eat in an individual way individually, that we might corporately, Lord,
be united together in the love of Christ always. Lord, we lift up Sister Janice to you and ask, Lord, that you touch her and heal her. Lord, you're the great physician. We know without a doubt, Lord, that you can heal her. But, Lord, you may have another plan, but uh, help us to accept it if you do have another plan. But we also petition you, Lord, and ask, Father, that you touch her with, with your touch, Lord, and heal her quickly and speedily and get her back home with her family and loved ones. And, Lord, all these things we pray and ask and sing and preach today, we do it in your name and for your honor and your glory. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand as we sing Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. I do love singing this song. And it says, ye were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. And mind you that his blood was innocent. He was not guilty, but he did it out of love. Oh, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed. Sort of, kind of. There we go. Thank you. Let us pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the songs that have been lifted, for the prayers that have been lifted. God, I thank you for every heart that's in this place today. God, my heart is heavy this morning with this message. Lord, I desperately need you to move. Uh, Lord, I need you to move and touch my heart and my tongue and my mind. God, protect us from uh, the wicked one. Protect us from the devil. Protect us from our own selves and our own hearts today. God, that today that you would show forth your glory and your power and your might and your strength. We might know you more through the preaching and the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. 
God, Lord, I pray that you would manifest yourself today and do great things through us today, Lord, that we would see who you are and what you can do and what you have done for us and what you will do for us. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and protect us. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter number 7 with me. Turn, Please turn to Matthew chapter number 7. This is going to be our springboard for just a moment. We're going to stay in the book of Matthew today only. Surprisingly, for the first time in two months, we're not in Ephesians chapter 6. Church said amen. Oh, sorry, children's church, yes. Uh, children's church be dismissed, ages 4 to 6. If you're a child, ages 4 to 6, or if you're scared to death of what's about to come out of my mouth, go ahead and skedaddle. <laughs> Just kidding. Ages 4 to 6, any young kids going to children's church today, go head out this door. Going once, going twice. All right, you can check back there. They might be back there already. I don't know. They might be teaching you. (laughs) Matthew chapter number 7 this morning, verse number 15. Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let me repeat that. Jesus says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Today we're going to be dealing with the issue of fruit. I don't care if you like physical fruit or not. We say as a church we like spiritual fruit. But the fact of the matter is that we wouldn't know half a spiritual fruit if it slapped us in the face. For several decades now, and I would say for even longer than that, but in our recent memory, what the church of God has done, and I'm talking about us, all right? So stop me if these adjectives don't apply yet, okay? We are often calling ourselves, refer to ourselves adjectivally as independent, Bible-believing, Bible-carrying, Bible-toting, Bible standing on, devil stomping, pew sitting, right, fire breathing, right, slobbering, spitting, praying, Baptist believers, right? We call ourselves even more so. You can go deeper with pre-mill, pre-trib, pre-this, pre-that, right? We're all kinds of stuff, aren't we? We have services, Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night service, and Tuesday night service, and, and all these things, and... Yet I'm afraid that we don't know what real fruit is. Real fruit and the real church of God does not look like someone coming to our church who is disgruntled at another one. Real fruit does not look like us just having and showing up to all four services that we offer. Real fruit does not look like services and the same old thing just happening. That's not fruit. That's going through the motions. The church of God has not produced fruit, or if anything has produced rotten fruit, not because we have stopped meeting, not because we've stopped singing, but because we've stopped seeking real fruit. 
And we've settled for the common fruit. I've had some conversations with some pastor friends recently dealing with this. And let's just be real, real honest with our own hearts and our own selves and our own situation in the life of the church, in the life of America. The world has changed and it's not going to change backwards. The world is dark and wicked and it's not going to somehow get better. However, as we talked about this morning, the church of God is to be the church of God. It's not to be the church of God who looks like the world to try to win the world. It's not to be uh, the church of God to make the world comfortable in here. What happens in here is to be a holy time and a holy place with holy people towards a holy God. This is meant to feed the sheep and to prepare the sheep to go into the world. It's not for goats. I ain't got goat food here. I got sheep food. Sheep food ain't what I got to say. It's what the Word of God says. And and I believe that one of the grave issues is that we have settled for common fruit in our churches. What I mean by that is this. We settled and believed that our churches would thrive by generational growth. And yet most of us today, we've got husbands who might be here, wives aren't, and wives who are here but husbands aren't, kids who are nowhere to be found but they were Raised them in church, and we don't know where they're at. You know, they're good, and they believe the Lord. They just aren't in church. I say this, and it hurts my heart, but if you say you love Christ, you will love His bride. His bride is the church, the local church. And you, if you love Christ like you say you do, will submit and be a part of the local church of God. And will not just go to church, but be the church and participate in church and what that looks like. For far too long, we have thought what church is and what church looks like is just what happens on a Sunday morning or what happens on a service. And that, well, church is when we, you know, we put on nice clothes and, you know, we stop at Hardee's or somewhere, get a biscuit, come into church and, you know, we... Make sure we turn off our country music when we pull in the parking lot, right? And then, and then well, right, that's, that's the preacher, right? That's the rest of us, right? Come on, let's not, let's not be over-spiritual here. We, we come into the church, and then, you know, we sit down, we wave to our neighbors, and we say hi and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, the service goes along, and we stand, and we sing, and we look around, and we see what everyone else is doing and wearing and how good someone sings or doesn't sing. Or we, then we try to justify ourselves. Well, see, I'm a pretty spiritual today. I'm doing pretty good. I'm checking all these things off, our, off my list. So I, I'm doing church. And then about halfway through the service, we start, what's lunch today? What's this day? What games are on the day? What's this and that? And our mind is so far that we're in the church building, but we're not participating in church. And that's not a fruitful ministry, nor is it a fruitful church. It's the harsh reality that most churches today, and most of us believers, if we were real, real honest with our own hearts, is that we view fruit like it's just, you know, well, we have this going on and that going on. You can have a lot of things going on without having anything going on. And I believe that most of us, as we said earlier, independent, Bible-believing, devil-stomping, hymn-singing, hooting-hollering Baptists, would say that we love having things going on, but you can have so much going on that you miss what should really be going on. Real deal fruit cannot be forced, cannot be manipulated by emotionalism, nor will real fruit come because we have fancy programs or even run buses. 
real fruit comes from God and God alone. There's a grave difference that Jesus paints a picture here. Notice this is the Sermon on the Mount, which everyone says is so sweet because it starts off with the Beatitudes and it's so lovely and nice. And by the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is telling them, there's going to be some of you even here today who are going to stand before the throne room of God at the judgment seat and will say, Lord, Lord, you won't stay in heaven. Matter of fact, you're going to be cast away. And he goes even further in Jesus, mind you, who we all love the loving Jesus. But how about the Jesus who says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in thy name? In thy name, haven't we cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And today, if he was speaking to this group or if he was in Hillsville and all of the town was gathered on hills to listen to him say, what would he say? Would he say about the prophesying and the devils being cast with wonderful works? What would he say? There's going to be many of you who have said, Lord, Lord, wasn't I Sunday school director at such and such church for so many years until I got mad and left and then went there and did it there too and then went back and went, went, went where, how about this? Oh, Lord, I was a deacon. Lord, I was a good deacon too. I called families. I, made, I sent out cards. I prayed. I was there. I, I looked the part, God. I looked good. I, I even prayed. I, I growed my family up in church. Right? And they made their choices, Lord, and all these things. The sad thing is that there's going to be many people who had the title pastor and will have him look at them and say, I never knew you. There would be many, even maybe today, I don't know. I would ask of you this, to sincerely check your heart to make sure that there is real fruit there. And do not dare to have the audacity in our own hearts or flesh to base our salvation or assurance of salvation, let alone the fruit of our salvation, because we're sitting here this morning. Because that don't cut the mustard. Real fruit comes from a tree. That's a real tree. That's planted in real dirt. That's got roots in real good dirt. We're going to look at that today. If we want the real fruit, and we don't want just to to swell here, because I want you to know this, there's not one in here today who would be so unspiritual as to say, preacher, I don't want this church to grow. Right? Anybody? Okay, I didn't think so. We would all say, we want the church to grow, don't we? Now, in here today, there's a million different ways and opinions as to how that's going to get done. And guess what? Mine matters about as much as yours does. It don't. What God says matters. It's not going to be your preference, my preference, your idea, my idea, this program, that program that's going to grow a church. What grows a church of God is the work and the word of God through the spirit of God alone. But it begins with good soil, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. You see, many of us would settle. Many of us would just take having church services, but I believe that when God died and sent His Son to die for this church and to buy and to build the church, that it was not to grow it in the ways that man wants it grown. There is a huge difference in swelling and growing. Let me give you an example. If I were to pull out a hammer from here and have 
someone come up and volunteer for me to whack them in the thumb. Anyone want to volunteer this morning? Okay, no, I, I left my hammer at home, all right? But you can take your thumb and take a big old hammer and as hard as you can, swing and hit your thumb with that hammer. It hurts, don't it? Now, let me ask you, anyone ever done that? Right? Yeah, and probably said words that you didn't want to say, mean to say, you had thoughts, right? Because it, it hurts. What happens to that thumb? First of all, it hurts. You're very aware that you have a thumb, and you're very aware that it is growing in size, isn't it? It starts to swell, don't it? It starts to even change colors, right? Pretty blues and purples and all this stuff and yellows and everything. Now, let me give you another example. We hear in church the cry of a newborn or the little giggle of a child. We know they're not going to stay that way. Why? Because they're going to grow. Why? Because families make families. Not just generationally by popping out babies. I'm talking about families bring families. Families win families. That's the plan of God. Now, which one is growing? A child who is born, who is raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, who is saved by the grace of God and not by curriculums, programs, or even by inheriting faith, which cannot be done, but they are saved by God and commit their lives to God and they grow up to then go out into the world and to find a, a godly husband or a godly wife and to make a family and to procreate and then to have a family then that then wins families and does the same thing over and over. You see the plan? It, it, would you call that swelling or growing? We'd call it growing, wouldn't it? That's growing a family, isn't it? And yet, the church of God, and I'm talking about the churches like our church, and this is where we don't like it, have settled for whacking our thumbs with hammers and say we're growing. Swelling ain't growing. Growing takes time. Growing takes patience. Growing even takes growing pains. Growing takes falling down and scraping your knee. Growing takes maturing, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. Why? So are you then too can procreate, and then make a family, make a life, and make someone else who will do the same thing. That's what we are called to do. To turn just over a few pages into Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. The way that you and I will see real fruit grow and blossom and not swell, mind you, is not going to be because we're clever, it's not going to be because, you know, we have the lights and the excitement or the entertainment. It's going to be because our hearts have the right soil for growth. Let me ask you this. And I'm not a gardener or a farmer by any means. I eat stuff that comes out the ground, and it's good. How you get it there and the rest of the part of cultivating and weeding and everything else, I don't know much about it, right? I can cut my grass. I try to scalp it as low as possible and weed eat everything to death, right? It ain't weed eat it unless it turns brown, okay? That's its motto there. <clears throat> when it comes to growing things, though, it takes some time. I do know this, that it takes the right kind of soil. That's why even in Virginia, I know this, that there are certain parts of Virginia that are good at growing peanuts. 
Some parts good at growing tobacco. Some real good at growing watermelons, cantaloupes. Some good at growing corn, whatever else, everything else that comes out of grounds, right? <laughs> okay. Certain soil that's good for growing certain things, but when it comes to spiritual things, it's only going to be a spiritually ripe, good soil that's going to bring forth the same sort of fruit. It says in verse number one, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. First of all, I want to address the sower. The sower here immediately in its context is Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the farmer here and he's not farming in a farmland. Matter of fact, what he's doing is he's sitting on a boat because there's so many people and he sits in the boat so that way the people on the shore can hear what he has to say. What he is doing is he's about to sow the seed of the word of God and to preach to them the gospel, to preach to them the truth of God's word, to preach to them even himself. The greatest preacher to ever preach the word is the word of God himself. And he is about to literally cast out the seed of the word to these people. They are the harvest. They are the land. But in each one of them beats a heart. And even deeper than their beating heart is a spiritual heart. A heart that is born desperately wicked and not knowing God and not in right relationship and needs redemption, needs to be restored by God's goodness and grace alone. And what a sower would do in these days is one of two things, right? If you've played anything, you might think this might be backwards, but one, they would either plow up the earth first, and then plant the seed, right? Get rid of the weeds and prepare the earth, to, you know, till it up and all that stuff, and then plant the seeds. Or sometimes a sower would walk around with a, with a big bag on their side with the seed, and before they even prepared the ground, as they would just take the handfuls and just scatter them out, throw them out. Anyone plant that way around here? Probably not, right? A few might, but this is what they did in that day. So when we see that the sower went out to sow, Jesus is literally talking about he's reaching down into his spiritual bag of God's word and he's throwing it out to the seashore where the multitudes are. And spiritually speaking, what we're going to find is that you and I are called to do the same. We will not win everyone, but we are called to go and try to win everyone. And even more so than trying to win and make converts for our numbers sake, we're called to a greater commission and that is the commission of making disciples. The reason why Pews are empty, cheeks are dry from a lack of tears, and the reason why our baptistries sit dormant is not because we're not out trying to win souls. It's because we've ceased to make disciples. There's a difference in making a convert and making a disciple. Jesus is the only one that can convert a soul. Jesus uses us to make disciples. That is our call. We are to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who then make disciples, who then make disciples, who then make disciples, who then make disciples, who then make disciples. It's our job, our goal, our responsibility. But as the sower goes forth, he sows the seed for one reason, one reason only. Not because he's bored, not because he's got nothing else to do, but because he sows the seed expecting a harvest, a crop, a good fruit to spring forth in its season. We are called to do likewise. 
to sow and to trust that in God's time and in God's way and in God's purposes and in God's plan and in God's power, through God's word alone, that he will bring forth fruit. God still has a harvest. And as a matter of fact, he tells disciples, and I believe it still applies to you and I today, that there is a great harvest out there. But we would look around today and there aren't any labors. I would say just as much as there is literally a labor shortage in the world, not because we don't have jobs, but because we don't have people that will work, right? We know that. And we'll say amen to that. We like it. We go, oh yeah, that's right. Ain't nobody wanting to work today. I would say this. If the church spiritually had a front window that people could peer in and look into, Jesus would have plastered a help wanted sign at this point. Because we need folks who are willing to labor. The harvest is there. Labors are few. And the issue of this harvest is this, that each person has a heart. And each person receives a seed with a heart that is either prepared and ready to blossom and to grow and to bear fruit so that more fruit can come, or not so much. He says, Behold, the sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some of us just put out bird feeders and do that, don't we, right? We're just feeding the birds. Hey, God's going to take care of the birds one way or the other, ain't we? Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up and, and choked them. But other fell into good ground. Notice it doesn't say in most fell into good ground. It says in other. Some falls in the good ground, and though it brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, and some sixty, and some thirtyfold. Jesus says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Today, every time that we gather, and every time that this word is open, may it be said of us, If we have ears, let us hear. He's not saying, If you've got ears, listen to what I'm physically saying. He's saying, If you have ears, listen to what I'm spiritually saying. And he's addressing through that phrase, He who hath ears, let him hear, as he's addressing the soil of the heart. Because those who are by the wayside or in the stony places or with the thorns surrounding them, they hear physically but not spiritually. Or they hear for a time and then they wither away or they're snatched away or choked out. But those who fall on the good ground, he's saying, listen, the idea to hear what Jesus has to say is not that we would go, oh, I, I heard what Jesus had to say today. It's that I heard what Jesus had to say and I believed what Jesus had to say and I lived what Jesus had to say. We love to hear what God has to say, but we also love to go, that's enough though. And it's not. We're called to be doers of the word, not hearers only, unless we deceive ourselves. He goes on to say, as he turns to his disciples in verse number 10, and this is, uh, does not tell us when, but it's at least a short period after, after this discourse, uh, assuming. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And first of all, as you know, and you've heard many times, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning at its root. It is something that is given as an illustrative story. He's saying that this thing didn't actually happen, but I'm going to give you something that you can understand and fathom physically so that you would hear and understand something spiritually. 
That's the goal here. And he says, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not. And hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. And their ears, their eyes have closed. And listen, any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they shall see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. We find this difficult portion of Scripture where Jesus looks at them and He says, they have eyes that are looking upon the Son of God and they don't see Me. They have ears that hear the words of life and yet their hearts don't hear the words of life. I would say, that in most churches, and even in our own Christian walk, we have had so much time that we have had eyes to see the goodness of God, and yet we have not still seen the goodness of God. We have had eyes to see God do great things, and yet our eyes still have not yet seen. It's that we've been blinded and hardened and our hearts, not by the things around us. We've blamed the world. We've blamed the devil, which we've talked about for two months now in spiritual warfare. But yet have we decided that we've got blinders on ourselves. Or that we've kept on sunglasses when we need bifocals. Or that we have eyes that look and behold the Lord, but yet are not seeing. Why? Because there's a heart issue. Or we have heard the Gospel how many times? How many times have you heard that Jesus loves you and yet you still remain in your sin today? How many times have you heard that you must repent lest you perish and yet you still won't budge today? It's because your eyes see but don't see and your ears are open but they don't hear today. Today that God would break your heart. Today that God would soften your heart. Today that God would open up your eyes like the blind man who was born blind that you might see. Today, may God unstop your ears so that you would not just hear what I have to say, but you would look further than that and hear what God has to say. Hear what Jesus says. Hear. Hear the parable of the sower. This was the fulfillment in Jesus' day as Matthew is preaching. He's presenting Jesus as the King of kings, which He is the King of the Jews. The King had come. And this fulfilling of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6, what happens in Isaiah 6 is, Far too much for me even to turn to today just for sake of time. But go this afternoon, spend some time in the next day or two and look at it. You're going to see the first thing is that there's a, a terrible plot, a terrible issue that there's no king. And Isaiah's taken and he sees a vision of God, the throne room of God, the true king. And as long as God is upon his throne, that we have nothing to fear. And today, dear church, 
God is still on His throne. Furthermore, He doesn't just catch a glimpse, but rather He sees these angels who are going and flying back and forth and hovering and covering the glory of God. And they cry out and sing a song, not to the world, but to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. It is the idea of holy, holier, holiest. Now, there's none that compare to God and His glory. And Isaiah, he doesn't say, oh, well, man, church just happened right there. Boom, that's good. No, it says, he says, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. A man in an unclean generation with unclean lips. An unclean people who, by the way, were God's chosen people. But for years, they had settled for the status quo and they had fed their flesh over the Spirit. And instead of obeying God, they obeyed the world. They obeyed their own lusts. And they had eyes that could not see and ears that became stopped up. And he goes on to tell Isaiah, go and cry unto them. Preach the Word. But they will be hardened. They'll be blind. They'll be deaf. Isaiah is told he's going to preach a message and it's literally going to fall on deaf ears. It's the last thing a preacher wants to hear before he steps behind a pulpit, isn't it? <coughs> However, how long and how many times do we come to church? We have eyes that behold the, the screen or the hymn book and the things around us and yet we don't really care. We just won't say it. How many times do we have ears that hear the Word of God preached, but our hearts are already at lunch or at what we've got else going on? How many times do we hear and see and are a part of what God is doing, and yet we're just not really a part of what God is doing? And we wonder why. How come my life is so unfruitful? How come my Christian walk is so unfulfilled? It's because my heart soil is not right. Jesus turns to them and explains them this this parable, he says, in verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. The wayside is literally like the path that you might have to your garden or your, or your farmland where you walk through to be able to take care of your work and the things that you've got to do. Now, the longer you walk in that one certain spot, what happens? It starts to wear down, don't it? Uh, it starts to wear down this beaten path and it starts to even grow hard, doesn't it? And what happens is some seed might fall there and, and, and then what happens? He described it earlier on that the birds come and snatch it away. Why? Because they say, hey, that's free seed right there. And what happens here is he says, then cometh the wicked one. Who is that wicked one but none other than Satan himself? He catcheth away that which is sown in his heart, this is he which received it by the wayside. Why? Because the heart of that person, of this believer, is shallow. If they have been walked on, they've been hardened, it's not good for growing. It's good for having seed just sit there. It's the one who comes and hears week after week, year after year even, the Word of God preached, the song sung before God, and yet remain unchanged. Satan comes and snatches it away as soon as it's there. Why? 
because he begins to bring about deception and doubt and depression and division and all of these things of which he's done that we've talked about in spiritual warfare. And that soil of the heart is not ready. The soil is not prepared to have a seed take root and to grow and to bring forth fruit. Far too many of us have sat under preaching for so long that preaching don't bother us anymore. It doesn't affect us anymore. We've sung Amazing Grace a thousand times and it's not amazing anymore. We've missed out on all of who God really is because we're just by the wayside. We're called Victory Way, not Victory Wayside. Today we're called to follow the way, not live in the wayside. We're not to have hardened hearts in such a way. Secondly, it says, but he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. He, ye that hath no root in himself, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation, persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. That stony ground, that stony believer, that stony individual, that stony heart. Like I said earlier, I'm not a farmer. Don't claim to be. But I've seen enough with gardening that if you got a big rock in the way, what do you do? You dig it up and you move it out. That's what you do. Why? Because you don't want the rocks there because you want that root to develop, to take hold so life might come and fruit might be able to be born. A stony heart believer has everything in it that seems to be prepared but is not near deep enough to get root. We should have had enough of shallow Christianity decades ago. We should have had enough of shallow, easy believism years ago because we see what real fruit it brought forth. If we see the real fruit that it brought forth, it was rotten fruit or it was something that withered away real quick. Notice this. Now, in that stony ground, something might grow. It might spring up, but it just won't stay. He that receiveth the seed in a stony place, the same as he that heareth the word, and with joy receiveth it. This is the emotional person that hears and, oh, hey, I got saved. This is great. I'm going to church now. My life has changed. I got a new leaf turned over. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be better. New me, new day, new start, new everything. This is great. We get all excited about religion. We get all excited about church. But we are still stony. We've still got these things that are in a way still shallow. There's no depth of heart. There's no real place for a root to take forth. And it says that, yet hath he not rooted himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. He's out of there. It's the idea of the believer who gets all excited about church until church gets hard. And then goes. It's a person who has the ball and then when things don't go their way and says, well, I'm going to take my ball, I'm going to go home. Home ain't the church. And, and to be quite honest with you, what we've seen in, in two years, if there's anything I've seen from this parable, it is this, that we've got plenty who have sat on pews for a long time with joy and excitement, and yet because there's no root and no depth, endure for a while, but when tribulation, persecution arises, gone. We, as a church have gone too far in the way of letting the world tell us how to worship, when to worship, where to worship, why we worship. 
we have gone too far with our hearts of stone that when a little bit of trouble came our way, which, by the way, we're not too used to that in America. If there's a downfall to American Christianity, it's not the Christianity part. It's the easy believism and that everything has to go our way, and if not, then everything must be all wrong. And I want you to know this. You and I are not so special in our land that persecution might not come. I would go ahead and tell you this. It's going to come because if you love Jesus, He said it's going to come. But for those of you who truly don't love the Lord, you're going to hightail it quick. And some already have. Some already did. Individuals gone. They were excited about church for a while. Families that were excited when things were going on. But it gets shut down for a, a couple months, a couple weeks, maybe even a year or more. And they're gone. There's no root. They sprung up with life and excitement and gone. Now you tell me how far emotionalism will get you. Tell me how far manipulation will get you. Tell me how far our curriculums and programs, which they have their place, but how, tell me how far that will get you. If there's a heart of stone, if there's a stony heart, and there's no root, there will be no real fruit. Third, he also that received seed among the thorns, see that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. This was soil that was good at growing stuff. Even maybe a little too good at growing stuff. When you throw out the seed to, to grow your crops with corn or beans, whatever, whatever you, you try to grow, you know this, that unfortunately, because if that ground's going to bring forth fruit, what else is going to bring? Thorns and thistles and weeds and all kinds of extra hard work in it. A result of the fall, isn't it? The reason why you got thorns and thistles and you got to go weed is because of sin. And it's a reminder every time that if there's going to be fruit, it takes hard work and it takes consistent and constant work to make sure that you don't take out or uh, chop down what is fruitful and that you actually chop down and take away that which is unfruitful. Spiritually speaking, Jesus said on the last day, that's what's exactly going to happen. He's going to take that which was fruitful and they will enter into His kingdom those who have trusted Christ and Christ alone. But to all those, even those who we thought were dear saints and who we thought were so committed and so great, many of them who said, Lord, Lord, did not do this, did not do that, they will be cast away. Why? Because they were not fruitful. And any fruit that they ever had in their life was their own work or was rotten itself. There's many an apple that looks beautiful on the outside, but is pithy and nasty and unusable on the inside. Is that you today? Is that your heart today? If it is, do not fear. Rather, do not run away. But instead, run to Christ and live. Be changed if your heart even right now it sees its need. Cry out to Christ. Call unto the Lord and He will save you. Today, if you right now feel that tugging, feel that, that heartache, Feel the reality of what this message means and what Jesus says is real. It's because there's a work inside of you. Let God do that work and watch forth fruit come. Be used of God. He says that the thorns come and it's the care of this world. Far too many care what the world thinks. 
far too many care about the things of the world. And if you missed out Sunday school, you just missed out Sunday school. But, but it's the reality that we talked about this morning that we are called not to love the world nor the things in it. Why? Because we're in it, but not of it. This world is passing away, fading away. It is dying and decaying, and it's not going to get any better. It's full of sin and wickedness and the lust of flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's all that's in it. Don't care for this world. Why? Because it don't care for you. Not like Jesus does. The world don't care about you. But Jesus loved you so much to leave the throne of God in heaven, to leave the heavenlies and to come into this world which He created, to come to the people that He made, that He covenanted with and promised. And, and He came to them. He came to His own and His own received Him not. And yet He still came. He still came to this world. He loves this world. And he died for this world. So this world would not choke out believers, would not continue in sin, but would come to Him. It says in the deceitfulness of riches, it's those who are trusting in the present world, who are trusting in their worldly wallets and their bank accounts and these things to last. I want you to know, I don't care how much you got in your bank account, you ain't going to take it with you. You ain't taking nothing with you when you get put in that ground or put in an urn except for what's in there. That's it. It's gone. This world is gone. Right now, for every believer, to us, this world should be gone. Right now, we are already seeing it in many places. We should be so focused on Christ and Christ alone that this world we see, it's passing away. But while we're here, God, would you use us? God, would we be fruitful? It says, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth. It's the idea that he doesn't just hear it, but believes it. He receives the word and believes the word. He understands it and he bears fruit. And some bring forth a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. And it's still good fruit. I want it to be said of my life, this church of your life, that we bore real fruit. Real fruit, if we want growth in this church, in this community, even in your own life, it's going to start not with the things that we try to do outwardly, but rather with what God does inwardly. And with our heart, soil, and how we receive the Word of God. I want you to know, in this place today, however many are here, and I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. I'm thankful you're here. If we pack the place out, if there's three of us, you're still going to get the same message. Today, it's this. Everyone here today has heard the same message. Some will be going, how is he not done yet? Others will be going, please keep going. Some right now will, will say in their heart, I needed this. Others will say, well, that was for so-and-so. The message is the same, but your heart soil will determine what you do with today and if it will bear fruit or not. My responsibility is to preach this word and do so as faithfully as I possibly can. My job, my calling is to lead the church and it's not mine and it's not yours. It's to be the under-shepherd or the good shepherd. To keep his bride pure and to keep his bride active in the kingdom, to win souls and to make disciples who then make disciples that the kingdom of God would grow and not swell. I don't want false fruit. 
I want a bag of honey crisp apples about the size of your head. Sweet, with just a little bit of tart. Just what you need. You know what I don't want? A bowl of those fake apples and bananas that they stick on decoration, right? You find them in hospital hallways and nursing homes, things like that. You find like the fake grapes and the apples and stuff, yeah. Far too long our churches have been a bowl of fake plastic fruit. I don't want that. And I'd go further to say Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus ain't looking for decorations on countertops. He's looking for disciples who make disciples. He's looking for those who want real fruit. And I want real fruit. Today, what's the soil of your heart like? Today, what will you do with Christ and His Word and the seed that has been sown? Today, let's all stand. The piano hasn't played yet. Whenever it starts, it don't even matter. It ain't a race. If you've got a need today, first of all, if you don't know Christ, today, though, if you know that you don't know Him, today all you've got to do is ask Him to save you, and He will save you. Turn from your sins and put your trust in Christ alone. Call out to the Lord, and He will save you. Young, old, and anything in between. If you've got questions, I'll be here after. I'll be here all day long if you need. I'll be here at this altar if you need to pray. Take the Bible, I'll show you. To those, the rest of you, would you come and pray for real fruit? What is your heart soil like today? Would you come?
our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. God, thank you for the hearts today softened by your word. Pray, God, that you would do a work in each one of us today, Lord, that we'd bear fruit for you. Lord, help it to be real fruit, true fruit, fruit that leads to more fruit, God, that we would watch you do great and mighty things in this place that only you can do. God, we love you. We thank you for this time once more. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.